Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined as always by Post-Gazette Sports Columnist Paul Zeiss for our weekly Zeiss is Right video. Paul, how are you? I'm doing good, Adam. How are you doing today? I am great. Back in the saddle. I was out on Sunday. Uh, missed. I, I watched Steelers-Ravens from a, a different location than I normally do, but good to be back in the saddle talking some Steelers with you. Um, Paul, for the thing I wanted to start off this week what talking about was the Boo Birds around Pittsburgh. Yeah. They've been out for Matt Canada. They've been out for a few other people. So I want to talk a little bit about it. Is this a growing trend? What's going on with all of that? Before we do, just a quick thank you to our sponsor for this episode of the podcast, Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Um, Paul, yeah, the Boo Birds have been out for Matt Canada. They, they were out at, at the game against the Ravens on Sunday. They were out at the Penguins game on Tuesday for their season opener. Some chance at PPG Paints Arena. And it's it's not the first time we've seen this in the last couple of years, or really the last year or so, Paul. Ron Hextall got the fire Ron Hextall treatment uh, toward the end of his tenure as Penguins general manager. Austin Hedges got a, a large dose of booze from Pirates fans this season. And Phil Dracovic, the pick quarterback, um, no honeymoon period for him. He was getting booed by week two, week three, I think. Um, so what's your assessment of, of where the Pittsburgh sports fans stand? Have, have people become more hardened in the past year, Paul? Or, or are these teams just uh, not as good as people are used to them being? I think we've got a frustrated fan base here in, in Pittsburgh, Adam. I think that's the simplest explanation. They're used to the Penguins being one of the best teams in the NHL. They're used to the Steelers being one of the best teams in the NFL. Pirate fans are miserable. They're used to, actually, over the last few years, Pitt being pretty good. And uh, they haven't gotten any of that this year. Um, you know, and so it seems to me like the fan base is, is frustrated because they're not winning uh, at the level they're used to winning, especially, I would say, the Penguins and the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers are obviously three and two. We'll talk about what that actually means, but they haven't played well, really, uh, outside of maybe one half of football against Las Vegas. I don't know that they really played well. Um, and, you know, I don't know that anybody really believes they're a Super Bowl contender. So people are miserable. People are miserable. They're frustrated. And the Penguins, they know. I mean, it's only one game, but watching them play, they know that they know that this is a team. It probably still has the same flaws it's had for the last three or four years, uh, which means it's probably going nowhere in the playoffs. And, um, you know, we're a town probably more than most towns that you can think of that we generate a lot of our identity and, and our self-esteem from basically how good our sports teams usually are. And right now, they're just not very good. And I think people are are, are finally now showing their frustrations and, they're, and they are, uh, you know, they're letting it out. The one thing I'll say is it's pretty clear that Matt Canada is probably at this point taking a little too much of the blame for everything going on. But that's, hey, that's a part of it. When 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 a, a fan base or, you know, a media group or whatever decides somebody's the villain, it's bad for that person because doesn't matter what happens, the narrative is never going to change. 
Paul, I wanted to ask a little bit about the inauthenticity that I think kind of runs through all of all of these situations. I think with with Austin Hedges, the Pirates told us they were lecturing us for weeks. Oh, it's <laughs> great. He can hit. He doesn't have to hit at all. He can hit like a pitcher, and he's still adding value when when you know people plainly knew that was not true. Um, the Steelers continue to stick by Matt Canada well after what I think you know his expiration date was. Um, you know, there, there's much quicker hooks across the NFL, and the Steelers just seem to be devoted to this idea of, well, we honor our contracts, and so we can't let this guy go before he coaches through his three-year contract. Um, you know, and I think Pat Narduzzi made <laughs> dumped gasoline on the fire when he, <laughs> you know, started calling this Boo City uh, PA, I think it was, and and kind of getting getting going back after the fans for being dissatisfied. Do you think that's part of this, Paul, is that these teams are acting indignant when they're faced in the face of criticism? I know uh, Mike Tomlin said the right things about Matt Canada and saying, listen, we're in the entertainment business. These people pay money for these tickets. They can do what they want. But then their actions don't really back up that, you know, those words. So do you think there's an angle here where, where it just feels like the teams are are kind of, you know, drawing a line in the sand against their own fans? And that is part of that's feeding this this cycle of all these boos. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously they don't make it any uh, any easier when they when they tell us stuff like Austin Hedges is good, and uh, you know when they act like we are the one like like Pat Narduzzi acting like the people that are sitting out there paying for tickets don't know what they're watching when they're watching a team that just isn't good enough and hasn't played well. Um, yeah, that doesn't help. I think, I think people are tired of gaslighting. They're tired of, you know, they're tired and get frustrated by, uh, whether it's in politics or sports or whatever, they're tired of people telling them to their face things that they know are basically patently not true. And so that, that, that leads to frustration. I'm telling you, one of the most, uh, one of the most telling things about pit fans is the fact that, uh, two years ago. They, they, they won the ACC championship, which is something I think a lot of people thought they'd never be able to do. And right now, they all want to get rid of the coach. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with it's not necessarily the fact that he, you know, that they're one and three or whatever they are, one and four. It's because of a lot of the nonsensical things that he said in the last year that make it very clear he, he almost holds the, the fan base, you know, a disdain for the fan base. Um, and, and he wants us all to know he's the smartest guy in the room. Well, that's not going to go over well with your fans. It never is. It's what you create a problem for yourself. And I think that's, that's really part of the story as well. You just, you know, if you're not doing well or not performing well, just be like Mike Tomlin and say, Hey, they paid her, they paid her money. You know, if you've got a guy like Austin Hedges, you don't have to, you know, rip the guy cause he's obviously part of your team, but don't, don't come out and try and tell us that what our eyes are seeing is, is is fiction because it's 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 just stupid yeah yeah or you just say listen we think he's got to play better we think he can play better you know that's a simple way to diffuse it without telling people that that they don't know what they're talking about and and so i i'm completely <laughs> with you there Paul. i think it's it's a new brand of, of leadership for for some of these teams um and and i don't know if they know how to relate to the fans as well as maybe these teams did in the past and like you said earlier Winning cures a lot, and the Penguins, the Steelers, the Pirates, and Pitt, you know, lately have not have not been doing it. So um, I, I think that's all part of it. Paul, I want to get a little bit more into you know the one other one other, one other thing okay. real quick. I'll say about Pitt fans, it's very frustrating for them. 
is that Penn State's playing really well. And their team is not. And, they, you know, a year ago or, you know, like last year and a half or so, Pitt fans were, you know, all giddy and trying to <laughs> make the case that their team was better than Penn State or whatever and, and their program wasn't that far behind or maybe, you know, it was even – well, that's probably a really hard case to make right now. So uh, that, that's that's part of it as well. But go ahead. Well, West Virginia is also, I mean, they're four and one and they're favorites this week against Houston. So if they get to five and one, you know, they're in the mix in the big 12 as we go <laughs> into late October, and November, which is what you want to do if you're a college football team. Um, Paul, a little, let's do a little Steelers talk and we'll get into some of these other teams and programs here after the break. Um, what do you make of the Steelers at three and two with the offense that they have? Um, I think you can make a case like that they've they're pretty much where we thought they would be when we were sitting down making our predictions in August, early September. Um, you know that, that they were going to be right around that nine ten win pace, and that's exactly where they are today. It just on you know the, the, what's unfolded on the screen and on the field. Um, you know I don't think has really lived up to a lot of people's expectations for improvement with this offense, and, and I think that's the source of a lot of. Um, you know, uneasiness, even if the results, you know, the bottom line results are, are pretty, pretty close to what we were expecting. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. They are a one in four team that's been lucky, uh, extremely lucky, and have gotten some really fortunate bounces. And they've been resourceful. You give them credit for hanging in and making plays at the end of these games. They're a one in four football team in my mind. Um, that, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, the Cleveland game was a complete, almost a fluke. But they got two defensive touchdowns. And, of course, T.J. Watt gets credit for making the plays. I'm not trying to take away that. But uh, I, I think those plays don't happen if Kevin Stefanski isn't just a total moron in that game and, and, and some of the things he did in, in terms of trying to protect Deshaun Watson and some of the decision-making that Deshaun, Deshaun Watson made. Um, and then this Ravens game is ridiculous. I mean, if you're the Ravens, I keep, I keep hearing about what a great coach John Harbaugh is. And every time I watch the Ravens, every time, right, without exception, they are the sloppiest, dumbest, selfish, most selfish, uh, poor decision-making football team I've ever seen. And they, they should be 5-0. and oh, The Steelers should be 1-4. and four. Instead, they're both tied at 3-2. and two. So the Steelers, you know, this last game against the Ravens, hey, they hung in there, right? They made the plays they needed to make. But, you know, don't try and tell me that in the first three quarters the defense played well because they didn't. The problem is the Ravens can't catch. You know, if the Ravens make a few catches or, or you know, the difference, like I said, is the difference between Houston game, San Francisco game, and the Ravens game is the Houston and San Francisco receivers actually caught the ball in the first half. So they were down, you know, 16 to nothing or whatever it was, and then, you know, 20 to 7 or whatever it was at halftime as opposed to 10 to 3. Um, if the Ravens make a couple of basic, fundamental NFL catches um, and plays, they're up 17-3, to three, and guess what? 
you know, we're not talking about Matt Canada or not, whether he's smiling or not in the, in the press box, because that touchdown is, is irrelevant at the end of the game. So I, I feel like they need to get a lot better, Adam, period, on both sides of the ball. Because, you know, I, I feel like their wins have been a little bit just sort of lucky. T.J. Watt playing completely out of his mind in and, and, and two of the you know, five games. And, 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 and really, in the Ravens game, he played out of his mind in the fourth quarter. I mean, really, if you think about it, the first three quarters, the defense wasn't great. You know, the, 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 the Ravens were stopping themselves. Um, so they've got to get a lot better because if they don't, there's enough bad teams on the roster that they can win games like they won. They've won these games where there's enough bad teams and bad quarterbacks where they can slop together, you know, enough to, to win those games and sustain themselves and, you know, get themselves to nine and eight. So they never had a losing season continues. But if that's the new standard for the Steelers, then I don't know anything about the franchise that I used to know. Uh, they, they are not going to win in the playoffs playing this way. You're not going to beat teams with really good quarterbacks playing this way. You're not going to beat the best teams playing this way. The formula, you know what? Obviously, it can get you to nine and eight or whatever. And But they have a lot of work to do on the offensive side of the ball. I think getting Deontay Johnson back will help. But still, they have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, you referenced the schedule. They don't face another team that currently has a winning record until week 15. Um, and, and I think that could that could be key, Paul, in, in maybe making that difference between now and then of can you be a team that can beat anyone come playoff time? Do you, do you see this schedule and say that's an opportunity for them to build some confidence, build some momentum the way they did at the end of last season when they – you know, admittedly also faced some teams that weren't very good and, and went on that 7-2 and two run to finish the season. Do you think we're sh- shaping up in a similar way here where, where they can finally go through a stretch and, and say, hey, we, we, have a, we, we, we have a lot to figure out, but we can figure it out and be, da- be a dangerous team by the end of the season? Do you maintain hope for that, or have you seen enough to suggest that there's just not a ton of upside here? I mean, I think they can get better on offense. That's the key. But they, if they're going to get better on offense, um, you know, it has to be week after week after week after week after week. And then some of the teams that have losing record. I mean, they've got two, ga- two games against Cincinnati, who looks like maybe they figured some things out in this last game that they played. Obviously, it was Arizona, but still, Joe Burrow has been so bad for the entire season. You know, all of a sudden, he looks like Joe Burrow again. Jamar Chase looks like Jamar Chase. Um, so I don't know, you know, I don't know if their two and three record is significant from the standpoint of it's still early and teams are, are, are struggling to find themselves. But to me, I, I think, you know, for instance, their next game is against the Rams. The Rams aren't any good, but they're good enough. So you look at the Steelers and you say to yourself, you got a game against the Rams. It's a game we should be saying, wow, they should win that game. You know, they should they, they should win that game. I mean, they're better. But if I said, hey, Adam, put your mortgage down that the Steelers beat the Rams, would you do that? Probably not. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, I think the Steelers can beat anybody right now. They could lose to anybody right now. And and that's what I mean about the way they're playing and their formula for winning. You know, you're, you're three and two. You're a one and four team that's been fortunate and gotten to three and two. 
But if you continue to play the way that you're playing, you're going to lose games you shouldn't lose, and you know your record's going to be what it is. So I, I, that's that's all I say about that. Yeah, I think the Rams are one of those teams, Paul, that is a bit a little bit better than than expectations, and I think that's a big part of it too for people. Is is this team better or worse than I thought it would be on the top line level? And going back to your point about them being a one and four team, they don't look better than we think that they are, and and that's the problem with three and two is that it's. Even as, as they're atop the division and it's right about where you thought they'd be on the bottom line, it's just not been very pretty on, on the route there. Um, Paul, should the, the Steelers be looking to the trade market for a center here? I believe the NFL trade dine line is October 31st. I do my weekly PFF grades. Mason Cole has been, I think, the obvious weekly link on this line now that Dan Moore Jr. is out of the lineup. Broderick Jones has stepped in, proved that he's capable. Um if there's a move you'd like to see them make, is that the one, or or is it? Are we going to go back to the uh, the the well here with they could use another receiver? Uh, that's the one I would make. I, I think finding a center at this point is difficult. You know, I don't know that they have another uh, option on their on their roster either. That's going to be better than Mason Cole. Um, but I'm telling you, Adam, that's <laughs> I, I've said the same thing for six months about what they need. And we've, you know, we've seen it. I mean, part of their offense's problem is I don't know that they have a whole lot of guys that scare anybody. And that's a problem, you know, and I'm not saying you're going to go out and get a burner or go out and get some, but you need to get one more good receiver. Um, one more guy you can rely on. And, 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 and so that's what I would do. Uh, I just don't think it's realistic to find a center right now that can, you know, do replace or be better than Mason Cole. You just have to hope that he gets a little bit better to the point where, you know, and maybe having Broderick Jones playing now, right? Maybe Siamalo gets a little better and all of a sudden, you know, they're able to cover up some of the deficiencies of Mason Cole. But I just don't know that it's really all that realistic to think you can change centers right now or even go get another center and it's going to work. Yeah, Mason Cole ranks second in the NFL and pressures allowed. Um, not a good place for, for him to be. They need him to be better if they're not going to be able to address that in terms of, of adding someone else. Paul, last uh, Steelers question I got for you here. Deontay Johnson's expected back for this Rams game. Um, what do you think of, of what he can add to this offense? Can he make a noticeable difference? We saw him play, you know, I think back to that Tampa, those first couple drives in Tampa Bay during the preseason, how good he looked and, and how that was, you know, in addition to Kenny Pickett looking good, Deontay Johnson looked like his old self. Um, do, do you have a level of optimism that he can kind of be the missing ingredient here? Well, he'll definitely help because I think the one thing he does is he runs pretty good routes, you know, and for the most part, he'll catch the ball. He's not a home run hitter, but he's what I'm talking about in terms of what they need at receiver, where he's a guy that can get himself open. He runs good routes. He's, he's reliable. He's somebody that Kenny Pickett has, you know, a little bit of a rapport already with. He gives them a better player than, you know, when I looked out there it, 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 at times in the Ravens game, I swear to God, it was Miles Boykin and and Calvin Austin and some of these guys. And it's like, that's, that's not good enough. If you have Pickens and Deontay Johnson, and then, you know, say your third guy is Calvin Austin. Now all of a sudden you got something to worry about with Calvin Austin because, you know, they have to worry about the other two guys more than him. He's probably going to be, you know, manned up against somebody that's not good enough to cover him. So my point is 
Yes, it'll make a big difference, I think, having Deontay Johnson in the passing game, just from the standpoint of it will give them one more receiver who is really competent and capable of making plays. Yeah, I agree, Paul. Um, we are going to get into some pit talk, some Penn State talk, some MLB talk. Before we do, I uh, just want to thank a couple more of our sponsors, Goldberg, Persky, and White. If you were diagnosed with mesothelioma or lung cancer, call your local attorneys at Goldberg, Persky, and White. For over 40 years, their firm has represented thousands of lung cancer and mesothelioma victims. Call 1-800-COMPLEX or visit gpwlaw.com for a free consultation. Also want to thank Propel Schools. Propel's 13 public charter schools in Allegheny County build a solid academic foundation for lifelong learning and offer more personalized instruction at every level during your child's kindergarten through 12th grade education journey. Give your children the quality education they deserve. Learn more and apply to Propel Schools by visiting propelschools.org. Um, Paul, this is a big week for Pitt, I think. Christian Veyu finally getting the call at quarterback, and you're going against a ranked team in Louisville. If you're going to if you're going to make a push to make a bowl game here, you have to make up for that loss to Virginia Tech um, last, well, I guess a, co a couple weeks ago at this point. The, the That was one of the teams you were supposed to beat, which means now you've got to beat a team you weren't expected to beat. Um, you've got a new quarterback. You've got a new look to kind of throw at the Cardinals this week. What's the level of importance for this pit team in terms of, you know, if not winning, showing that you can compete with these good teams on the back half of their schedule? And B, what are your expectations for, for Christian Veyu as he steps in for Phil Dracovic? Uh, Well, I would say this. Um, didn't he say yesterday to pronounce his name Christian Veyer? Uh, but anyway, that's the first thing. Um, it, 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 I, I mean, I, I don't know. His dad his dad pronounces it Veyu. He pronounces it Veyer. So you, you, you decide what it is. Um, here's the thing, Adam. They have, what, four losses already, don't they? Cincinnati. Virginia Tech, West Virginia, and North Carolina. They have four losses. They still have to play at Notre Dame, and they still play Florida State. I mean, anything can happen on any given Saturday, but I don't see how they're winning either of those games, right? So if they basically have to win every other game on their schedule in order to get to, you know, be six and six and get to a bowl game, which means they can have no margin for error here this weekend. You know, and if they play against Louisville and they lose, uh, fans aren't going to want to hear, oh, well, their, their effort was good and this and that and everything, because guess what? It means they're really probably staring four and eight or three and nine in the face. You know, and that's one thing I will say about Pitt. Throughout all of this nonsense uh, that has gone on from, you know, the, the way they botched the firing of Walt Harris to the way that they, you know, total comedy of errors after they fired Wanstead and the hiring of, you know, Haywood and then the hiring of Graham and then the hiring of Chris and then he leaves and you had, a, you know, all of that stretch. The one thing that Pitt has always done, really, if you look at it, they've basically been able to hang in there. They haven't gone to the 2-12 and 12 or the 2-10 and 10 or the 3-9. and nine. They haven't, you know, been completely incompetent. They haven't, the bottom has never fallen out. They had a five and seven season, right? Uh, they had a five and seven season when they had a bunch of stuff happen to them and they had a ridiculously hard schedule. But other than that, they've been able to, you know, keep their head afloat and go to a bowl game every year for the most part. Uh, they haven't had the bottom fall out. So uh, that's why this is really an important game. It's an important stretch for them. They have to be able to get this thing back on the rails. 
Yeah, and I think seeing something, I'm going to go with Veyu if that's what the, if that's what Dad said. <laughs> I saw Noah Hiles say that that's what he's going with. So um, I, I think you know you want to see Christian Veyu say, "Hey, even if this season isn't going to end where you want it to, there's a reason for for hope." I mean, I think that's important too, Paul. Yeah, well, absolutely. I, and uh, but the big thing about it is he's got another year, doesn't he? I think he's got at least another year or two. Yeah. So. So, yes, hope would be the thing if he comes out and plays well down the stretch, you know, and they, you know, they don't, they don't make a bowl game, but, you know, they win some games down the stretch. Yes, you can sell that because he's coming back. You wouldn't be able to sell that if you kept uh, Jerkovic in because he's not coming back. And it's like, well, you got to start all over again next year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they play down the stretch now. Like I said, they are one and four. They have seven games left. They got to go five and two down the stretch in order to get to a bull game. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, figure that one out if you can, but uh, especially when they've got Notre Dame and Florida State. But yes, if they, if they go five and two down the stretch and get to a bull game and Kristen Bayou plays really well, yeah, then you can sell the idea that, hey, next year we'll be right back at it. Paul, some headlines have been Happy Valley this week as well. Um, Penn State gets their new Big Ten schedules for future seasons. Lots of USC's, lots of uh, Washington's, lots of Oregon's. It's very jarring to look at still. Um, but uh, James Franklin also made headlines, Paul, because he was asked about uh, throwing the ball deep and why doesn't Penn State do it more just for the heck of it? Um, and, and why are they not trying harder, in, in the opinion of this reporter, to, to kind of replicate that 2016 offense when – you know, Trace McSorley was throwing nukes all over the field. And James Franklin basically saying, it makes my skin crawl when you ask that that question. And, you know, if you talk to any quarterback, it's always about, you know, take what the defense gives you. Teams are not giving Drew Aller the deep ball right now. Um, they're try I think they're trying to make him make more technical reads, more technical throws underneath, um, rather than let him beat them with their arm. Do you think that's an accurate assessment? And, and is it a matter of, you know, he's going to have to learn how to, to – handle those those tougher sometimes tougher throws to to make in the sense of finding receivers and making them quickly finding them with timing i mean i think that's what's been disrupted in this penn state offense is the timing isn't quite there and, and defenses are going to force them to make those plays how would you diagnose where the, where the penn state offense is right now they look like a team with a freshman quarterback who's kind of finding his way and at times you watch it and you say oh my god this guy is really good and this offense is going to be really scary once he gets on the same page with his coaches and with his receivers. And once he really sort of learns the intricacies of the offense, learns some of the things about, you know, uh, uh, how, you know, how to counter what certain defenses are showing him. I mean, it, this is what six games in his career, something like that. He's still learning. Uh, the, 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 the question was silly in some ways, but, James Franklin, of course, being James Franklin, made a total douchebag out of himself just by the way he answered it. You know, there's there's better ways to say what he said without going in the hole. You know, my skin is crawling and all this other stuff. But either way, when you have a freshman quarterback, don't care how good he is. There's going to be some stretches where the offense isn't yet clicking because every game he plays is a learning experience right now. He's going to see some different things from defenses that maybe he didn't see last week or the week before or the week before, you know, and, and, and I, and I hearken it back to Kenny Pickett when he was at Pitt, you know, his first season was not always really fun to watch. 
but you saw he had talent and you kind of said, yeah, if he wants it, once he clicks and he figures it out, by the time he was, uh, you know, at the end of his career, his senior year, he knew the intricacies of the offense, the ins and outs. He knew how to attack defenses. He knew what, what he was looking at because he had basically seen everything. Uh, that's that's really what's going on. It's it's just you've got a freshman quarterback who's learning. And I, I, I look at that offense and I say four, five, six games from now, that offense is going to be really, really hard to deal with. Once this kid really gets comfortable, that offense is going to be really good, really, really, really difficult to deal with. Yeah, I, I can see that. I think the big thing for me, Paul, is is look at these Penn State receivers. You know, who, who are the guys you think are going to make some of those plays? Is there a Chris Godwin on this roster right now? Is there a, a, a KJ Hamler? Is there a Jahan Dotson? I think Keandre Lambert Smith has has been you know exceeded my expectations for him. He's been a solid a solid number one, but I I don't look and see a lot of guys that you can just throw the ball up there to and, and have a lot of hope that they're going to come down with it, even if you're calling those types of plays. Um, Paul also wanted to ask you about the MLB playoff format. Um, a lot of people are freaking out because some of the better teams are losing <laughs> the Braves. The Braves are in, you know, trailing the, uh, the Phillies as we're recording this on, on Thursday. Um, the Dodgers have already been eliminated. Uh, the twins and, uh, Orioles have had great seasons. They're gone now. Um, the Orioles, you know, were a team that had a bye because of this, you know, three, three card play. <laughs> game playoff uh, round or play in round right. wild card round what is your assessment of of what they should be doing with the MLB playoffs I think you know I've always said that any if you're going to have any round of the playoffs it should be seven games if you want to find who the better team is um, but if they're not going to do that and they've always had like a five game LDS round do you do you look at that and say you know this is the way it's always been just deal with it yes because here's the thing if you know, I can look at it. Like, well, if they sit out a week, they get rusty or whatever. I, I don't even know what that means. The bottom line is this: you have the ability, if you have a bye, if you have a week off, if you have time off, to get your guys healthy, to get your pitchers rested, to get your pitching staff, you know, set up in the way that you want it set up. Guys got to go out and play. I mean, the, the, you know, the Phillies went down to Atlanta, beat their best pitcher, right? They beat their best pitcher. The, the, the Orioles are a team that basically, uh, I always thought this year that they were a team that probably were like some of those 90s Pirates teams, built for the 162, not necessarily built for the seven. And it showed, uh, you know, and and, 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 and and people that don't understand that, obviously you do, Adam, because you understand baseball. You know, there are some teams that are built for short series. And quite frankly, you pay Bryce Harper – 500 or 400 million dollars or whatever he makes to do what he's doing. <laughs> Sometimes you just play against the team where a guy's just that much better. I I don't want to see them monkey with it and change it and all that other stuff. It's good like it is. Leave it alone. Let these teams start to figure out how to win and stop crying. Yeah, I'm with you, Paul. Like I, I get it. I, especially in the case of the Orioles, you finally have a good year. Um, but that's see, that's the reason, Paul, that you don't do what the Pirates and the Orioles and some of these small market teams do is build up to be like good for a couple of years and throw all your eggs in those baskets um, and, and go through these long rebuild processes to get like one or two shots. That's why you don't do that is because right. when you dwell it like this, it, it really feels like you know just a total waste of everyone's time. Paul, I know you got to run. Um, just a reminder to everyone: Christopher Carter is going to be back with the North Shore Drive on Friday. 
plenty more Steelers talk heading your way this week. Uh, Paul, any final thoughts before I let you go? No, no, just got to get running. So uh, we'll do it again next week, and uh, we'll do it again uh, hopefully. Well, actually, hopefully we'll be talking about a pit win, I guess. I don't know. I don't know that we will, but hopefully we will be. Yeah, at least it will keep things interesting for us, Paul. Thank you all. Thank you for stopping by, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you for checking right, out thanks, this man. content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette.